Welcome everyone to the third episode of Metaphysical Musings. My name is Tina Dubois and I'm your host for the show, the founder of Metaphysical School, a crystalline sound healing facilitator, as well as a teacher and student of various metaphysical topics. In today's show, I am super excited to interview Lisa Matthews, one of our fabulous Metaphysical School faculty and an HSP coach through her business, Combination Healing. We're going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, highly sensitive people, also known as HSPs. Lisa is going to share with us sacred self-care for highly sensitive souls and how we can deeply lean into our gifts as HSPs rather than struggle with the challenges. She'll also walk us through three keys to sacred self-care as well as an energetic clearing guided meditation. So if you've wondered if you're highly sensitive or maybe you already know you are, if you're an empath and or an intuitive, this episode is for you. Now, let's bring Lisa on to the show. Hi, Lisa, it's so good Hi. to see you. Super fun to be here with you, Tina. Awesome, thank you so much for joining me for today's show. And now that you're here, I'd like to share more of an introduction for you. So Lisa supports highly sensitive people or HSPs who are on a conscious journey of discovering their gifts and building an intentional life. She helps those feel who, hmm, she helps those who feel overwhelmed. <laughs> I got it that. <laughs> in their everyday life to nourish their nervous system and soothe their spirit by accessing and building trust in their grounded intuition. Lisa is a self-development coach, a registered craniosacral therapist, and a flower essence practitioner. She is the host of the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast, so a fellow podcaster, and she's been in the healing arts for over a decade with a background as a registered nurse. Lisa is one of our metaphysical school faculty and has participated in two masterclass events. In our energy empowerment masterclass, she shared her wisdom on overcoming energetic overwhelm and on energetic self-care. In our intuitive awakening masterclass, she shared her tips for thriving through an intuitive awakening, and she participated in both Q&A webinars. Both Thank you for joining us, Lisa. Now, the floor is yours. Can you tell us more about your journey as an HSP? Most definitely. And thank you so much for that really warm and lovely introduction. It's always a privilege to be able to speak about what a highly sensitive person is because I cannot tell you how many messages I've received from people that say, I had no idea that other people felt like I do. And for myself, I'd heard the term highly sensitive, and I'm going to break it down really soon in a bit more detail. But I'd heard the term, and I'm curious how many of you have kind of heard this HSP abbreviation and kind of thought, oh, maybe that sounds a bit like you. For me, I thought, oh, yeah, that probably probably sums me up. I know I'm pretty sensitive, but I didn't really give it much more thought than that. If we rewind back about 10 years when I was nursing at the time and taking multiple 
programs for extra training on the side, just for fun. And so I knew this term highly sensitive. I knew it applied to me, but I had no idea of the impact that it really had on my nervous system. I had no idea of the impact that day in, day out, living in overwhelm was really stacking onto what eventually led to a pretty big health crisis. And I feel like life would have been a little bit different for me if I'd known what it was all about with this trait of high sensitivity. So with saying that, if we rewind back that 10 years ago when I was working in multiple wards, both in emergency, very ironically, one of my favorite places to work, and also as a clinical research coordinator, I worked in a lot of different areas in nursing. I couldn't quite find where I felt like I fit until I got to emergency and I thought, this is it. This is where I belong. And I didn't realize how much that frequent overwhelm that obviously it's not a very calm environment all the time. I didn't realize how much that was kind of chipping away at my reserves. So while part of me loved the adrenaline rush of it all, part of me loved that instantaneous fix that you can give people, someone's in pain, something like that. But I wasn't really seeing the patterns that over time, this was really actually not the right place for me personally. I know many highly sensitives that are nursing and are doing healthcare work that thrive in it. For my own nervous system, not so much. So I ended up in a place where I had to take a multi-year medical leave to figure out what was going on. I had persistent, which is also known as chronic pain, which had just kind of creeped up. And it got to a point where walking was really difficult. So a little hard to stay at work with that. And the whole experience culminated in a really challenging spiritual opening, which I share more about in some of the metaphysical school masterclasses. And it's something that really opened my eyes to the subtle energy. And I'm going to talk a little bit about both today, the highly sensitive from a standpoint of the nervous system. And in my case, how much I really fell into burnout, but also how much on the gift side of being a highly sensitive, we can really tune in on this subtle energy. And once I became a lot more open to all these different layers of our reality, it really, really opened my eyes. So long story short, after a very wandering health journey, I really turned the corner when I took on sacred self-care. I really shifted when I began to actually realize, huh, no one else is going to look after me and my special nervous system. <laughs> so I've got, a few, I've got a few slides, which maybe I can segue into here, that'll break down. And, and then you can work out for yourself if you're highly sensitive as well. Awesome. So at this point, you're going to share with us your definition of what is a highly sensitive person, correct? Exactly. Awesome. So let's bring up your slides. Can you make them full screen for us before I bring them up on the show? Let's see. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> the joy of figuring out technology on the fly. Let me know. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, how yeah, is that looking? Great. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay. So the floor is yours again. If I have questions, I might pop them up, but feel free to tell us what is a highly sensitive person. 
Awesome. Thanks, Tina. And now I'm flying a little blind on terms of if you're trying to make any signals. So you'll just have to let me know because I got full screen on my slides too. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's I, what we're for. <laughs> yeah. so I hope you have a nice warm drink. I hope you are cozy where you are because we're going to dive into what actually is an HSP. And be honest, have you heard this term before and thought, I actually maybe don't know what it means. And in short, it is a trait that we are born with, much like having green eyes, brown hair, and it is passed down genetically. So we have this trait of a sensitive nervous system. And let me give you a few examples of what that means. So it's like the sensitivity dial on our senses is churned up a little for some of us or a lot for others, because every highly sensitive person is different we express our sensitivity differently. So this is classically what we think of as a highly sensitive person is someone who is sensitive to loud noises, bright lights. Don't even get me started on flickering fluorescent lights. There was one in the grocery store yesterday and I just had to walk, walk quickly past that part. But there's so much more to it than just our sensory side. You may see this start to change and be called sensory processing sensitivity or SPS. And I just wanna be really clear that this isn't a disorder, there's nothing wrong with you, but being a highly sensitive person just means we have a more attuned nervous system. We pick up more and process more, which means we are also a little bit more prone to overwhelm. And I'm gonna get into some practices to work with that soon. So one thing that I had a great discussion on with a, uh, with a group was on how even tight bras, constrictive clothing, that alone can send us into overwhelm when, say, a non-HSP or a not highly sensitive person just wouldn't even notice and would carry on. I so, can tell you from personal experience, yeah. not just the tight bras, but also scratchy material. Like... Today, because we're talking about HSPs, I wore my, I chose to wear my really soft wrap, but I can tell you even wool, like any type of wool against my skin that scratches, I'm that much closer to reaching overwhelm the entire day until I can change into something more soft, like cotton or whatever. And so, yeah, even, even just scratchy clothes can, can bring overwhelm. I'm really glad you brought that point in because it's something that I think many people can beat themselves up about it. Like, oh, sitting at your desk, doing your work and being like, this shouldn't annoy me, but the tag, I didn't cut it off on this new shirt. And that's it. Like concentration is gone. And it sounds like such a simple thing. But again, our nervous systems are different. That sensitivity dial is turned up a little bit. So having a little extra self-compassion for yourself on that level can make a huge difference. And knowing which senses are, are your most sensitive because that can also help you start to design your life. Because one thing a lot of people don't know is how many of us are HSPs. About one in five people are considered highly sensitive. And most of them don't even know it which is why I'm really on a mission to teach highly sensitive people their own inner healing practices, connecting them to the wisdom of their body and to their own intuition 
so that they can transform themselves. And like I talked about there being gifts and challenges, both of these pop up. So having a sensitivity to sound, which is really, really common, means that say, listening to a classical piece of music might bring us so much joy. And the person standing next to us is like, eh, that's nice. So we, we're deep feelers. All right, let's move on to the next slide here. We're also deep thinkers. And when I say a rich inner life, I mean, we ponder things, we consider things, we think about things from different angles. And so we can make some great connections that other people might miss. However, this can lead to overthinking. I don't know if you've ever experienced this like me, Tina. <laughs> uh, just a few times. <laughs> <laughs> just these little moments where sometimes deep thinking can tip over into overthinking. And as well, if we're overstimulated is the term or overloaded on a sensory level, we're more prone to falling into these overthinking patterns. And it's not just our physical senses that we may notice more, but our subtle senses, like I mentioned at the start, they as well can be a little bit more dialed up. We may have more of a emotional response to things so if they pop a person in, yeah, as they do, they just pop them right into a scanner. But when they've done studies and shown some kind of image or video to a person in an MRI scanner or another type of brain imaging, they'll see that a highly sensitive person within the emotional areas of their brain, that's more lit up. They're literally feeling and processing more than the average person. So we need to really give ourselves a break if we're feeling like, why do I always get so overwhelmed when even watching a, a drama movie? M movies and books can even be a bit of a landmine just because we don't know what's coming sometimes. So I can I ask you a question about yeah. the notice the subtle energy details part of that? Mm -hmm. Do you have um, some stats or at least anecdotal evidence about how how many people who consider themselves to be intuitive or empathic are also HSPs. Would you say that the majority of intuitive uh, people and empaths are also HSPs, or is it kind of like 50-50 and it's, you know, you could be or not and they don't really correlate? It's an amazing question and an awesome kind of segue. <laughs> well done. Wow. <laughs> because someone named Dr. Judith Orloff, who if anyone who here is empathic has done some reading, they'll find her book, The Empath Survival Guide, I believe is, is the title of it. She has a number of books. And she talks a little bit about this, this fact, the fact that empaths, those that feel like they really can feel on a very deep level in another person's body, can they can feel that in themselves and that they pick up energy, the classic uh, sponge analogy that we just soak up everyone else's energy sometimes. The empath and the highly sensitives can be two separate people. They may not overlap. And I, my brain wants to go to a 30-70 stat, but I also know that is the introverts and extroverts breakdown with highly sensitive. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call it that instead. And, and to clarify, 
about 30% of highly sensitives are extroverts. I know I'm bringing in a whole other topic here, which is really surprising to most people because they think that every highly sensitive person must be introverted. That's actually not the case. Most of us are. So I think that's where the numbers are coming from. But from what I have seen and worked with, I'd say it's a bit more than half are, and especially those that are drawn to work with me, since I do a lot of work specifically around energy clearing and working with flower essences and crystals, it tends to be more empaths and highly sensitives together, like in the same person. So there's a huge, huge, huge amount of overlap there. But they can still be separate people. Not all empaths are highly sensitive and vice versa. Does that somewhat answer your question on cool. the fly? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm asking because I fall into the category of highly sensitive and empathic and intuitive. And so um, I'm kind of all the labels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the labels in one container. Yeah. And, and, so you totally, and I resonate with that, all of all of the quote unquote labels as well. I really just want to underline that there's challenges and gifts and we really get to lean into the gifts as highly sensitives, especially when it comes to subtle energy. Not your everyday person is going to be as intrigued by crystals because they may not feel their energy. And with saying that, not every highly sensitive will, f I've heard of people who is like, I can't feel, I just still can't feel crystal energy. So I don't want to take it as a given that if you're like, well, I don't really feel say crystal energy or energy from plants, that doesn't correlate necessarily, but we're more likely to notice this subtle energy. We're more likely to pick up on someone's mood and maybe fix things for them before they even realize what's wrong. But that can sometimes come at a cost to us. That can be some of the challenges. And I go a bit more in depth in this in the episode one, the first one of the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. So know that if you're like, okay, I think this, this might be me. I go a little bit deeper there if you have some more questions. And honestly, one of the big hallmarks is, and I know I'm so not alone in this. You too, Tina. You need your alone time to recharge. Yeah, necessary. Not even a question. I, I, I can't, I literally can't function um, without solitude. I like what I, how I put it is solitude is quintessential to my sanity. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And it is entirely true because if you think of it like, almost like a traffic jam of information that comes at us. And if we don't have that pause and that chance to really just process everything, let the traffic start to flow again in our brains where everything is backed up, we, we need that time out. And so some people who always feel like, oh, why do I need all this alone time? Like, well, perhaps you're highly sensitive. So hopefully that gives you a bit more of an overview of what a highly sensitive person is. And again, that we're all different. We have a wide variety. Some are more sense sensitive. Some are more emotionally sensitive. And some of us really get all of it. <laughs> and if you head to hsperson.com, the pioneer of this work on highly sensitives, Dr. Elaine Aaron, she's got a little quiz there as well that has 27 points of different elements of the trait. And just for uh, a little momentary laugh that highlights many aspects of a highly sensitive. When I took that test, 
I had all 27, but it had been someone that posted it in a Facebook comment said, hey, who, who's taken this test before? What was your number? And so I went back to put in my number and everyone else had like, I don't know, 20, 18, 22. And I'm like, well, I can't put 27. So I went <laughs> back to the test and looked and I'm like, well, that one maybe sometime. So I could put 26. I'm <laughs> pretty sure when I took that quiz, because I know exactly which one you're talking about. I was also 26 out of 27. I think, oh, I don't even remember which question it was. It was, it was probably the scent question uh, that, that I answered. I wasn't sensitive to you, but yeah, now I am. So <laughs> it actually has, has changed. Yeah, it does. It really does change. And honestly, this is where, and this is a topic for another day, but I'll, I'll plant the seed that, I became much more sensitive after my spiritual opening. And I, I just refer to this as spiritual sensitivity. And as well, I've been through some pretty challenging experiences. And I know that those had brought a level of trauma into my system that I hadn't processed yet. So if you add trauma and especially a spiritual opening to a highly sensitive person, what wasn't that big a deal before perhaps is a big deal now. So know that your sensitivities can change throughout your life. And that especially challenging experiences, traumatic experiences can up your sensitivity level as well. So there's there's a lot more under the surface, but knowing that it's a genetic trait to start with is a good place to, to begin. And then learning how it shows up for you as well. I'll use this as a, a little stepping stone into, you get the both the privilege and sometimes the task of working out how to build a life to support and thrive with your sensitivities. And I've got three keys to share with you today. And I feel like we've looked at this slide for a very long time. So, <laughs> Well, when people are joining us, they, you know, <laughs> follow along at any time. <laughs> That's right. Because I have the next slide all ready to go. If, you, if you're all are ready to dive into the three cares, the sacred self-care that I have for you today. Three keys, rather. Diving in. So this is absolutely fundamental. And I've got a question for you. Who here, and I know I'm not going to see your responses until later, but I would love if you wanted to comment and uh, just post in either the Facebook chat or YouTube comments. Who here has ever been on their computer just trying to finish like one last thing or even something around the house, yet you're hungry, you're thirsty, and you got to pee, and you're still doing whatever you're doing? Um, yeah, all like all the time. <laughs> because I have to get the thing finished. Exactly. That wasn't put you on the spot either. <laughs> We've all, I'm just going to be a blanket statement. We've all probably had that experience where when you finally come up for air, you're like, oh, wow, I need everything. <laughs> I need to really step back and look after my physical self. And this is why I, I've shortened it to Tequoia, is take care of your animal. Because sometimes we forget that as humans, we're actually animals. And if you think about it, animals are really good at meeting and going back to basics, meeting their needs, eating, drinking, sleeping, going pee, like these little things that don't seem all that glamorous and they don't seem all that fancy. But humans, we're fit funnier that way. We're really good at creating a different priority for the moment. And if you're a highly sensitive, 
then even sitting there at your computer being like, wow, I really want to get a drink, but ah, five more minutes, five more minutes. That sends off just a little low-grade alarm to your body like, hey, some physical stress going on. This can more easily tip you into overwhelm, can more easily tip you into being emotionally dysregulated when we don't look after just our basic physical needs. And I really, I bring in this little trick if... If you're the, the person who is really good at looking after everyone else, we can be really considerate of other people, very thoughtful of them, to the point that we may put our needs second. And for sure, we may be really good at, you know, getting our sleep. I'm a nine hour asleep, nine hours per night sleeping person. I need that. I'm not one of those like, I can squeak by with six and a half or seven, even eight for a few nights. No can do. I need my nine. <laughs> and... When it comes to looking after ourselves, it's also cumulative throughout the day. Just these small little things. Going to the bathroom right when you need to and not finishing that email. I know it's it sounds so simple, but it makes a big impact. I have so a question little, for you on this point. Yeah, yeah, fire um, away. Yeah, it's kind of trip. like, what is your experience with HSPs and hangry? <laughs> if it's any if this answers your question uh i have a code with my partner we have the traffic light system we have red which is like it's code red i need to eat right now and orange which is like okay i have five minutes and green which is we're good <laughs> it's very real this is actually one of the points on elaine aaron's 27 uh aspects of the hsp quiz is you have a strong reaction to being hungry or something along those lines. It's a That's thing. a nice way of putting it. I know. It's so, it's so pleasant. I'm like, ooh, you haven't seen me hangry. <laughs> However, it's, even that alone, having the words to really step in and just say, you know what? I know we're in the middle here. I got to take five and go get some food. And it's surprising how sometimes I can actually feel hard if we're in a group scenario, if we're in any type of situation where other people are relying on us to take a moment for ourselves if we get really ingrained in it. I used to always keep um, snacks hidden in my pockets when I was nursing so I could just duck into <laughs> the washroom or supply closet and just munch away food. So it's definitely a real thing. It's a great question, Tina. And let me tie up this first key with this little trick that I mentioned that some people struggle to take that moment for themselves. And if you think about the animal within you, almost as another person to take care of, almost as this other being within you, your it, inner self, your inner self, exactly. It can make it just that little bit easier to step back and go, actually, it's not me that has to go and actually stop and get some lunch an hour early today. I have to look after this animal within me. I have to look after my inner self here. So it almost separates it a little bit. And just give it a try for a day. As soon as you feel a physical impulse for something, eating, drinking, having a rest, having a five-minute lie down of low stimulation time, just see how fast you can act on it and then see how you feel by the end of the day. It can make a massive difference. So that is key number one, take care of your animal. And I just absolutely adore this lioness. So I had to bring her in. <laughs> she's, she's intense. <laughs> she is indeed. 
And we'll shift over to key number two. And this is living within your own rhythm. And what I mean by that is on both a daily and a monthly level, and even a, a seasonal yearly level. So I'll just touch on these or we could easily be here all day on living within your rhythms. But are you the type of person that can hop up and get a whole bunch of things done in the morning? And then by two o'clock, it's like brain is exited stage left and there is no more. There's nothing. The tank is empty. And you really need to rest then, which is a pretty common pattern, but not everyone. That's totally me. Totally. Absolutely me. <laughs> I'm just going to ask, where do you fall on the spectrum, Tina? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I prefer to work in the mornings and I have lunch with my spouse, which I love to have together. And then at two o'clock, my brain, you know, is shutting down. If I didn't have a good sleep that night, it's time for a nap. And uh, yeah, I try to be done my work day at three because working after three is just not efficient and can become really frustrating because the ideas, the concentration just isn't there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And amazing that A, you know that about yourself and B, you've set your day up to support that. So applauding you from over here and we're actually relatively close. I can't quite see your house, but... <laughs> Not that far away from mine. <laughs> Not that far away at all. And what does this really mean, though, for those that are new to this idea of living within your own rhythms? And to bring it back to this idea of being a cyclical being, of cycles. Nature, she's got cycles down. The day, the sunrise, the sunsets. Throughout the month, the moon shifting. Like, we are really built on cycles, our society, not so much. If we think of uh, men, they actually reset, kind of quote unquote, every day hormonally, as opposed to women or those with a period, people with a period, they reset, for lack of better terms, every 28 to 32 days on average. And our society is kind of built around this every day. It's exactly the same as the day before in a productivity standpoint. So this whole Monday to Friday, you're supposed to be able to wake up and crank out the same amount of work every day, I feel is really, and I've been inspired by other people who've talked about this idea, is based on a, a more male-dominated hormonal reset, that everyday reset. We're not exactly like that. And even if you're a person that doesn't have a, a menstruation cycle, for whatever reason, we are still very much affected by the beautiful moon in the sky. So I feel like this whole everyday reset that we have as a society, not quite, doesn't quite line up with us. So let's go back. When we think about living within your own rhythms, when are the best times for you to do your creative work in a day? When are the best times for you to take some low-key time, some chill time? How can you structure your day around that, given that life shows up, kids, work? It's not always going to be how we would love it to be, but these small changes really add up over time. And when you think about our moon cycle, especially if you're a person that has a period, 
that really shifts how everything changes in the month. I plan my entire, I plan my life in one month cycles and it is so, so much different now. <laughs> like I cannot tell you how much of a shift it's made because my sensitivity changes throughout the month as well. And it is a thing, the full moon on emergency, in emergency, things happen that are so strange. <laughs> I won't even get into stories, but it's very much this idea of having a cycle to us and learning about what it is first comes with observation. And highly sensitives, we're great at observation. We're very, we're quite self-aware. We're quite introspective. So as soon as I start working with people on this idea of living within your own rhythms, people are like, oh, okay, I actually already do that here. But hey, I could maybe do a way even better here. Because as a brief example, with menstruation, we have different seasons in our month. And I'll save the long form for another day. I'm actually doing a workshop on this next week on syncing your moon time, your menstruation with your business. But another topic. <laughs> and... If you think about it as our inner summer, summer is a time of high energy. We tend to be able to get a lot more done. So most of us would be in ovulation at that point. It's higher energy and we might even be more sociable. Like I'll plan way more over that time of my month compared to say the inner winter, our actual menstruation time, the actual bleed. When we may want to just rest be extra quiet, just want to cocoon like we do in winter. Now the caveat that everybody has a slightly different cycle, whether that be following the moon in the sky or our own inner moon, so trusting what shows up for you, but just as a snapshot, how can you live within your own rhythms on that monthly basis? And then seasonally, this is where we really get tuned into the rhythms of nature where we get to follow the, the changing of the seasons to really amp up our, a lot of times, our personal work. I feel like, and let me know if this is true for you, Tina. When you hear about shadow work, it's all about releasing. Always releasing this, releasing that, and it, it just, it's kind of never ending. Or is that just me that hears that a lot? Um, I, I used to hear that until I started actually doing it. And then I started realizing that it's that that shadow work is not just releasing but also the integrating the accepting and forgiving parts that I think not everybody thinks about when they think that when they hear the term shadow work so I kind of feel it's a much bigger concept and I don't actually call it shadow work. I just call it healing. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And as you're talking about shadow work being the integration, the, the reclamation, I don't think that was quite your word of ourselves. I'm sitting here. I know you can't see me going, yay. <laughs> and I know you'll, you'll know this part, but I, so I love that you just call it healing, just simplify it. And yeah, what I just alluding to there was how much, I see this a lot in uh, spiritual events and circles, and this is painting a broad picture of there's often a lot of releasing work. What are we releasing? And that would fit really well into fall time. Nature is naturally, the trees are naturally letting go of their leaves at that point. There's a very different shift in energy 
compared to obviously springtime, everything's growing. So pairing our personal work with what's happening in the seasons is another way of living within your own rhythms. But there's so, so much more to, yes, shadow work, healing work, uh, than just the releasing aspects. So side note there. Glad you brought that in. So lots of information so far, lots of food for thought. If you're sitting listening live or even on the replay, just encourage you to have a little stretch, a little wiggle, a little movement. You can stand up because we're going to dive into our final key for today, key number three. And that is consciously creating sacred self-care habits. Now, I know you're going to have a very different definition of self-care because I know you're quite good at self-care, Tina. But I'm curious about what would you call, I'm putting you on the spot here, what would you call self-care just as a whole? And this isn't necessarily uh, just activities, but what comes to mind when you think of the word self-care? Well, we did cover an entire webinar (laughs) (laughs) during our Energy Empowerment Masterclass. And I believe my definition of self-care was any practice that honors and recharges your energy levels. And when I talk about self-care, I don't necessarily talk, I'm not talking about um, candlelit bubble baths. That's not, it's not my thing. I'm talking about daily self-care habits, the things that you do every day that honor and recharge your own energy levels. Beautiful. I love that. I knew you'd have a, some good words on it <laughs> because, and you so, so summed up that aspect of kind of classically, we think of self care often as this extraneous thing, these bubble baths, which I don't use bubble baths, but baths are required in my life. However, this term self care, I feel like it's been really diluted. And in some ways, when I was sitting with this, I actually went back and I looked at the roots of these of these words, uh, both sacred and care. So sacred is fairly straightforward to make holy, worthy of respect. And self, of course, us. And care, meaning charge, oversight, to attention or heed with a view to safety or protection. So when you put them all together, it's showing that ourselves, us, each individual person, we are worthy of respect. And that care actually is a little bit deeper than just a quick bubble bath. There's some oversight, some attention to it. And it goes so much deeper than just these surface levels. And I often say self-care is not optional, especially for highly sensitives. It's not something, if we were going to live our lives and live the soul life that we came here to in in this round of earth school, as we're walking each of our paths, being able to look after ourselves intentionally is the foundation to everything, the foundation to growing. And like I said before, the effects of self-care are cumulative. They add up, these small changes add up over time. So a person might start, okay, I'm going to start a grounding practice. Maybe they do it once. They think, oh, that was nice. Hmm, Don't notice the difference. But doing it every day for a week, 
for a month, for a year, that's where the changes start to come in. And the truth is that no one gets to do this self-care except for you. So why not have some fun with it? But also, how do we consciously create it? Because we have habits, whether we think of them or not, as habits. And they can sometimes tip us into overwhelming situations without even realizing it. So I know you, uh, I'm guessing you won't mind me saying, we're both on social media for our work, Tina. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, we are. (laughs) And there's a, there's a lot on social media. Like there's uh, a pretty pervasive culture around. It's a socially accepted habit to just be on one's phone. Every free moment of time can be taken up by a quick check of the phone. I don't know, have you ever seen Tina just in our very long grocery um, store lines? They're not as long <laughs> here as the city where I used to live. We're in a tiny mountain town in case you're just tuning in. <laughs> have you ever seen people just kind of standing there and they're on their phone and it, they're just, you know, they're, they're not there. They're checked out, they're somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I. I kind of have this theory about um, obsessive phone checking that um, society doesn't, hmm, people don't know how to be with themselves as much as they used to because of the distracting nature of um, having a phone with us all of the time and access to our social media and news and websites and, you know, all of the stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I did grow up in an age where cell phones were not everywhere. That's how old I am. <laughs> and, and, and I still try to practice just, you know, if I'm in a doctor's office, I'll just sit there and wait and not be on my phone. Although um, most people won't know this because I've never said this during one of the metaphysical musings is I don't own a smartphone. I don't actually I'm sitting here smiling <laughs> like, oh, is she gonna, I wasn't gonna say it you're gonna <laughs> I she do announces have a tablet. <laughs> I do have a tablet which is my book and my email and you know all of um my social media is on my tablet but yeah I don't have a smartphone I don't give access to myself by having a cell phone that I carry around all the time which is somewhat frustrating to uh, certain friends and family but <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is a self-care practice that I needed, that I need in my life is to not be at other people's, uh, uh, that I'm just going to say access. <laughs> Very nicely put. <laughs> I had a few different words coming to mind there. Very nicely I had a few put. different words too, but you know, being, I don't want to, I want my time to be my time. And if I'm at the grocery store or driving or, you know, spending time with my spouse, even watching TV, I don't want to be at other people's access. My time is my time. And, and that is something that I need to honor as part of my self-care. Hugely. It's, it's so, and I applaud you for that because it is like I'd mentioned this, this sort of socially acceptable norm now. And yeah, we'll kind of talk about it a little bit here and there. Like, oh, I spend too much time on my phone. And oh, it can be incredibly draining. And if any of us are HSPs and empaths, the amount of emotional bombs on there, this is how I refer to them anyway, 
which is why I actually, while I do have a smartphone, I've been cultivating a number of practices to have it fit well into my life instead of being this overloaded thing that takes up all my time. It also, remember those little pauses I was alluding to earlier that our nervous system loves pauses because we get a chance to process things. And if we're forever filling up those pauses with our phone, it just ends up leading to feeling really frazzled by the end of the day, which isn't that much fun. However, our habits, even our ones that we don't like so much, I'll, I'll call them quote unquote bad habits to give them a label, though that's all that really is. Our habits, say of a quick phone check, they give us something still. I don't want to bash them as a, uh, you know, something just to do away with because that's often why we need to dig in with some self-compassion and curiosity. What do I need out of this? So with phones, is it connection? Are you feeling lonely? Is it needing a bit of extra dopamine? Can that be got by, can you get some extra dopamine from a dance break? There's a lot of different ways. Or, you know, uh, you know, cat petting or even cute cat pictures <laughs> and puppy picture. <laughs> it's a bit you of an inside this, joke between me. Yeah, I was like, you have this dial, and yet I, I literally do this on occasion. I will go and look up. I'm like, all right, I really, today is a cute cat picture day. I usually go on pictures. Oh, man, the amount of power we have over our own inner neurochemical makeup, our own inner emotions is huge. And it takes practice. It takes consciously creating these self-care habits to access it more easily. Now, that's not saying I never want to paint the picture that I, I never get overwhelmed. My life is perfectly fairy tale like Oh, I'm, I'm a human. I live life. I have fun. Yet I have a huge amount of tools and practices that I can shift into and use when I need them. And that's the other part about consciously creating these self-care habits is our habits are going to happen anyway. They're a mental shortcut. So it's kind of a play on words for me to call it consciously creating habits because we we really only consciously create them at the start. Then they're just mental shortcuts. We're doing them again and again. And they're if unconsciously I, created. They, I like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And so I, I invite you to just use this as a, an invitation. Say if it's around phones and I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really passionate about digital mindfulness and digital minimalism in a way that works for people. It doesn't mean throwing your phone into a river that sometimes isn't actually feasible, but <laughs> there's a lot of different things that we can do so that we aren't as affected by our phones. And as HSPs that are subtle energy sensitive, I can't, I can't have my phone against my head. I get a headache very quickly. I don't know if you, you have so you have some kind of phone at home. I know I've called you Tina, but I don't know if you've ever had that experience where being on a tablet or or being on, well, I can probably guess at this one, being on computer, you just kind of get blasted after a while, nervous system wise. Well, my phone is. Um... I, I use earbuds, so I don't actually uh, hold a phone up to my head anymore. Um, but yeah, I do have a computer threshold, and like I was talking about, I need to I need to get off of work around three o'clock in the afternoon. That's kind of when I also reach computer threshold because I'll have been on 
for most of the day. Um, and I'm not a very happy camper if I don't honor that, that habit that I really like to be done work around three o'clock. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, there are, you know, life happens, work happens. And, but, you know, I, for the most part, I try to keep that as part of my self-care habit is to have boundaries about work hours. Totally. It, it makes a huge, huge difference. And especially if you're an entrepreneur or it actually it took me a long time to realize, oh, I own a, I own a business. I just so thought of myself as a craniosacral therapist for so long that it, my brain just wasn't <laughs> clued into that. I know it sounds very silly now, but if you have a business, if you have a practice, this is when, yeah, creating these boundaries on time and consciously creating work habits is huge for your self-care because it can very easily just kind of bleed into the entire day been there and in the beginning it's so hard because you're, you have so many ideas and you have so many projects and you have so much to do yeah. that you know <laughs> yeah. or anytime you have a launch uh <laughs> launch mm-hmm. burnout is a thing <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we oh, could have right. a whole <laughs> yes we could <laughs> a whole other a whole other chat on hsp self-care at business owners because it's a different cup of tea but even in general work is so accessible now Whew, it can it can show up anytime anywhere and having these boundaries in places it can take some time to put them in place and sometimes people feel really bad i've had people say they're i've heard like oh i, I kind of failed breaking that bad habit and it can feel really demoralizing and just really want to underline that it's not the case there was no failure there this is this is really why I teach people about the science of habits how habits are formed and unformed as best we can that groove gets changed in a way but it's still there so when we fall back into uh, an old habit we were trying to get rid of it's just because that pathway exists already and so we consciously create a new pathway in our brain so that it becomes easier to take on these self-care habits and it really really can start to change there's so much more to habits than oh I'll just start doing it every day we're it's not about willpower <laughs> I'll keep it short and sweet on that willpower very very little to do with the equation on habits And just to tie up key number three, I've got a little note here and those listening to the podcast won't actually see the slides that say consciously creating these self-care habits also means having a whole toolbox of in case of overwhelm practices. And I would love to send you a free gift on different self-care practices that you may not have heard of before, specifically for the highly sensitive and if memory serves, memory does serve. I've got a so next slide here that you can head to bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash soothe your spirit. And we have it twice on the screen because I also... Oh, yeah. and then you, <laughs> we are covered. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah, just in case you didn't know where to go, you have multiple, multiple options. And these are just a way to update your toolbox a little bit with the five S's to soothe your nervous system. Because remember, we've got our sensitivity dial turned up on our nervous system. So 
having a toolbox is kind of imperative. Makes a huge difference. All right. Are we done with slides? I have one more. Okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm gonna, which is literally saying, it's time to shift gears and get cozy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Actually, I, love, I love the picture. Yeah. What was it's, that? I love the picture. It's quite reminiscent of a creek that we walked to together here in Roslyn. Mm, yes, it is actually. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Little did I know when I picked this picture. And the reason why I have a picture of a creek, uh, well, you'll find out fully in a moment, but we're going to have a little bit of energy clearing time because as many highly sensitive listening, as, as many of you are also empaths, and we've, we've gone even deeper into the discussion on phones and on social media than I was uh, even thinking we would, but it's great to do an energy clearing after being on social media. We can pick up some stuff there. It's, it's a place that's unpredictable in some ways, even though we're having a curated feed and all of that. Sometimes we see, you know, a, a sad story or something challenging pop up and, you know, it can be really nice to take a moment and to just have an energy clearing. And I'm just going to walk you all through that. And just because we've been sitting for a while, even though you're probably all getting nice and cozy now, I'm going to just encourage you to just have one more little movement of some description, a little bit of a reset, finding where your body's comfortable, because we'll be a little over five minutes here. I've got some chimes here. I've got them in the background, and I'll just trust Tina will dive in if they're too loud or or perhaps too quiet. But let's shift gears a little. Let's take a pause together. Let's allow yourself a moment to catch up with yourself. So take some time for this energetic clearing in this guided meditation. comfortable position for your body. Really allowing yourself to notice the support underneath you. Just as we get started, if it's possible to turn off your monitor, or at least just looking away if you wanted to keep your eyes open. Well, you can close your eyes if that feels comfortable for you as well. So we're going to use our imagination. We're going to create a beautiful forest in our minds. Whether this is a place in nature you've been to before or one that you're just creating now. you to imagine this beautiful forest. I'd like you to imagine that you can hear water running nearby. You can notice the temperature of the air. 
looking around as maybe you begin to walk along this little forest path. You look up and can see the beautiful sky. The sun is behind the clouds right now, though it looks like it could shine through at any moment. Take a moment now to pause with walking, to stand still in this forest in your mind. And reach down or reach to a tree to put your hands on the earth or to put your hands on a tree and take a moment to just ground into the beautiful mother earth that be connecting roots from all around your waist from your feet from your hands just seeing these roots go deep down to the different layers, rock and water, dirt and stone. Just grounding yourself into the center of the earth. We're taking a moment to express gratitude this wonderful place that we get to visit, this beautiful forest. We're gonna make our way towards the water running. Just listen for our stream or creek, even a gentle river. Make your way towards this running water. You notice a lovely place to stop just next to the stream. And as you're at this stream, the clouds ahead overhead change. They grow dark with rain. And no matter what the temperature is outside, you begin to feel these lovely, warm, soothing raindrops. If you don't like the feel of raindrops, just choosing another form of water falling over you. As you imagine this water showering down, hold the intention that it's picking up you have the heavy energy, any energy that's not yours, and that is washing away even any energy that you are ready to let go of into this stream. As the rain increases, it pours over every surface of your body. If it feels comfortable for you, you can even imagine this beautiful, warm, nourishing water flowing 
through your crown chakra, flowing all the way through your body, taking any energy that is ready to go, that is not yours, and that you are ready to release. Breathing it out with a sigh as it's washed down into the earth, into the stream. Even hold your palms out to the stream as this water cleanses you inside and out. Watching as the water trips off your fingers into this running water. You don't need to worry about this energy. You don't need to do anything with it. Just allow it to flow as you see, sense, and feel this energy leaving. And the rain starts to slow down. A gentle breeze starts to blow the clouds away. Noticing how you feel you begin to see the sun come out from behind the clouds. You turn your face and feel the warmth of the sun on your face. And allow the sun to fill you up with light. This warm, radiant sunshine, warming you, drying you. Filling up your luminous body, filling up the space around you. Turning back to the stream, perhaps with a smile on your face, thinking any helping elements, helping spirits. Thanking Mama Earth. Bringing your hands to the ground one last time. You ground yourself again. Saying a thank you to the stream before turning around. Retracing your steps. Coming all the way back, just the way you came. As you find yourself right back at the very beginning. When you're ready, when you've brought all of yourself back, if your eyes have been closed, still keeping them closed. Beginning to notice any of the other sounds in the room, noticing the space around you to let go of this intention, letting go of this forest in your mind. And when you feel ready in your own time, in your own way, 
Very gently and slowly opening your eyes. To close, just checking in with yourself as you look around the room. Just noticing how you feel now compared to a few minutes ago. When you're ready, coming all the way back for the rest of our little conversation on metaphysical musings. Thank you, Lisa. That was awesome. That was wonderful. I adore those chimes. <laughs> Still, every time I hear them. Pleasure. I've had lots of questions. I have the little nudge to just say if anyone's looking for those chimes, they're Koshi chimes, K-O-S-H-I. And they are so lovely. I will eventually be getting some of those. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing HSP wisdom with us. And just so everybody can see it one more time, if you're interested in uh, seeing Lisa's five self-calming practices for highly sensitive souls, you can go to her website for it, which is shortened to bit.ly slash soothe your spirit. And if you want to connect with Lisa in other ways, you can visit her website, which is www.combinationhealing.ca. And I also wanted to briefly touch on, you recently started the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. So I wanted to ask, what inspired you to start this and where can people find it? Sure. I'm laughing because I originally was nudged. I do a lot of work with helping spirits. Other people may refer to them as spirit guides. I remember almost exactly where I was on a walk, not very far from my house. And it just was like, boom, time to start a podcast. And at that point, like my, my plate was full in a, and when I say my plate was full, that means everything is nicely nicely tucked in and I can go throughout my day in a good way. So I just basically said, can you come back later? <laughs> um, I'm feeling like I really resonate with what you're saying because also my business, my metaphysical school life is full, but in January it was like, it's time to start a podcast <laughs> slash, you know, live show. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Here we are. So you and I, we really relate in that sense too about even, you know, starting our podcast. So where can people find the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast? On pretty well every major podcast platform and that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, all the places. And I was actually, just to finish up that story, it was in September and then it was on uh, seven days before the solstice this year that it just showed up again. And I saw the wisdom of that space because I, as highly sensitives, we often, we are the pause and reflect. We want to have a moment. This is why making decisions can be really hard as a highly sensitive. We want more information. We want to look at it from all angles. 
And that's actually a really great gift to have. So that three months or so had given me the time to look into it, to understand it. And it ended up being like, okay, it's now is the time. Solstice is my new year. So I was like, really? This is like my super cocoon time, but not this year. Life had shown up in a different way. So yeah, it's the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. And I generally have new episodes up every one to two weeks. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And you also have a course that you're launching very soon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that course? I would love to. This is the Healing Habits course, and it's really weaving in this. If, if you are resonating with this talk about being on your phone a lot and using it in a way that maybe you want to shift a little bit while adding in these conscious self-care habits, this is what we're going to be really diving into in this two-month course. It's going to be live workshops, and it's really about exploring digital mindfulness science of habits and really setting up these self-care habits for grounding, energetic boundaries. We go deeper into clearing and creating a tech container is a highly sensitive. So we'll be diving right into it, but we start on Thursday. So it's coming up. Date on that for people who are watching the replay Thursday. True. Thursday, February 11th. And for those that are watching this way down in the future, just keep an eye on my events page for when it'll open up again next. And, and the website I, for that is combinationhealing.ca slash events. And that is where you can find Lisa's current and upcoming courses, HSP offerings, circles, um, anything else up on there? That's that's probably a good sum up. Yeah, I run a monthly circle for, it's called the Awakening HSP Circle. Uh, this month is on crystals. So. <laughs> <laughs> one uh, of my favorite topics in case. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, you <laughs> like that one. Yeah, I'll be doing a lot more with flower essences in the spring. So everything ends up on the events page. So feel free to keep an eye on that to meet with other highly sensitives. Because a lot of times we feel really alone until we start meeting others like us. And then we realize we're not the only ones. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today and for sharing all of your wonderful HSP wisdom. Thank you so, so much for having me. Always a pleasure and always an honor to be on anything that you create. Really <laughs> excited for Metaphysical Musings and all of the wonderful guests. I loved your last few episodes. So if you're just tuning in now, make sure you check out the other ones. Those were awesome. Thank you. And before we go, I'd like to share that this episode of Metaphysical Musings is brought to you by Metaphysical School, offering everything awakened souls need to ignite their enlightenment journey, including courses, clarity, confidence, and connection. Our video education and community membership includes over 50 video courses and masterclasses to choose from that you can watch anytime, anywhere. You can discover your soul path as a healer, seeker, mystic, or seer, and find out where you're currently at on that path and what you need to get to the next step with ease. You can build trust in your intuition with our weekly intuitive activities designed to gain intuitive wisdom through experience. 
and get all the support you need with our growing community of awakened, metaphysically-minded souls. If you're an awakened soul who feels afraid, alone, overwhelmed, or lost, we can help you to enlighten into being wise, connected, centered, and aligned on the next steps on your soul path. I invite you to visit our website to learn more about the many benefits of enrolling in our school membership, where you can ignite your enlightenment journey with us at metaphysical.school. And while you're there, I invite you to take our What Metaphysical Archetype Are You quiz to discover if you're the healer with a passion for caring for others, the seeker with a thirst for finding truth and wisdom, the mystic who revels in their intuitive abilities, or the seer skilled in divination and astrology. Knowing your metaphysical archetype is the first step in understanding your soul path, helping you to progress on your enlightenment journey. Just click on the take the quiz button on our website at metaphysical.school. And with that, I would like to conclude this episode of Metaphysical Musings by giving gratitude. Thank you again so much to Lisa Matthews, metaphysical school teacher and HSP coach with Combination Healing for joining us today and sharing some of her amazing HSP wisdom with us. If you want to connect with Lisa, you can do that at her website at www.combinationhealing.ca. Again, you can find her free gift, which is the five self-calming practices for highly sensitive souls at bit.ly slash soothe your spirit. And if you want to find her on social media, you can do so uh, because her Facebook and Instagram handles are at combination healing. And lastly, I would like to end with saying thank you for joining us in watching or listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to sharing more metaphysical musings with you in upcoming episodes. Bye for now.